Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscular nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hello, everyone. And on behalf of Melisande Boutremer, welcome to the History of England, a supplementary episode, 52A, Eleanor of Aquitaine. This week, we're lucky enough to have an episode from Melisande about the life of a remarkable woman, Eleanor of Aquitaine. So enjoy, and go to womenofhistory.blogspot.com for more great stuff. Eleanor was a powerful and influential woman who was not universally admired in her own day. Her actions threatened the men of her times, notably Bernard of Clairvaux and Abbot Suger, and both her husbands, Louis and Henry. She was born at Bordeaux in about 1122 to William X, Duke of Aquitaine, a Count of Poitou. She had younger siblings, Petronilla and William Aigret, and she was the niece of Raymond of Poitiers, Prince of Antioch. Eleanor spent much of her youth in Aquitaine, getting a good education. It was here that she learned and developed what would become the beginnings of courtly love through the songs and poems of her troubadour father. William's father died on pilgrimage to St James of Campostella in 1137 and the 15-year-old Eleanor became sole heiress to the vast Duchy of Aquitaine under the nominal guardianship of King Louis VI of France. Both Eleanor and her sister Petronilla were under the care of the Archbishop Geoffrey de Lorue at Bordeaux, which was where they heard about their father's death. According to her father's will, Louis VI had to protect both Eleanor and her lands, whilst finding a suitable husband for her. So Eleanor, of course, came to the attention of a great number of men eager to become her husband, and who knows, just possibly, having a passing interest in her enormous wealth. Finally, the problem was solved. 
when Louis VI ordered his son Louis to marry Eleanor and thus bring the rich Duchy of Aquitaine under the control of the French crown, which was also nice for Louis. And to this end, Prince Louis travelled to Bordeaux with an entourage of 500 knights, Abbot Sucaire and the Counts of Champagne and Vermandois. Eleanor was married then at the age of 15 in a magnificent ceremony at the Cathedral of Bordeaux on the 25th of July 1137 and then crowned Queen of France at Poitiers at Christmas of the same year. Louis came to be dominated by clerics who had almost unlimited power and who feared Eleanor's influence, especially St Bernard of Clairvaux, who described her advice as the Council of the Devil, but also Abbot Suger. Thus, Eleanor had little role in the government, and she's rarely mentioned in the charters. She wasn't popular amongst those at court, who viewed her as indecorous, immodest of dress, and probably flighty. And she spent freely in an attempt to beautify her rather austere surroundings, and the besotted Louis indulged her every whim. In 1141, Louis came into conflict with the papacy over the choice of candidate for the vacant Archbishopric of Bourges. Louis put forward his Chancellor Cadurc, while Pope Innocent put forward one Pierre de la Chartre. Louis refused to allow Pierre to enter Bourges. The Pope blamed Eleanor since her father had attempted something similar, and furious, he put France under interdict. Louis was equally furious, and Pierre was forced to seek refuge in Champagne. But that wasn't the end of Louis's troubles. In 1141, Eleanor managed to talk him into claiming the county of Toulouse on her behalf, and the campaign that followed was a disaster. The following year, Eleanor then persuaded Louis to intervene on behalf of her sister Petronilla. Petronilla had fallen in love with a man called Raoul de Vermondois. He was seneschal of France and promptly discarded his lawful wife and married Petronilla with Louis's permission. But meanwhile, the Count of Champagne, uncle of the discarded wife, appealed to the Pope and the Pope declared the marriage invalid and excommunicated both Raoul and Petronilla. So Louis invaded Champagne in January 1143 and laid waste to the province. But during the campaign, Louis saw an event which had a deep impact on him. In the village of Vitry, a church was burnt down with all the town folk still inside. The screams haunted Louis, and that summer he had a breakdown and became deeply pious. There was at this time speculation of a possible miscarriage early in the marriage. Eleanor became so worried at the lack of subsequent conception that she consulted Bernard of Clairvaux. Eleanor also took the opportunity to demand that Bernard lift the excommunication, offering that in return Louis would recognise Pierre de la Chartre in Bourges. As a result, peace was soon restored. The Count of Champagne's lost lands were duly restored and de la Chartre was installed in Bourges. This doesn't appear to have impressed Bernard, however, who sternly reproved Eleanor for meddling in the man's world of politics. But it seemed to do the trick with the conception thing, because the following year, a daughter Marie was born. But by now, Eleanor was tiring of Louis' rather overpious lifestyle. But Eleanor was greatly enthused when the Crusades were announced, and even more so when Louis announced his intention to join them at the Abbey of St Mary Magdalene in Vesalie, at Easter 1146, to atone for his guilt over the massacre at Vitry. So Eleanor gathered about her an army of her own from Aquitaine, including many of her ladies, and accompanied Louis on the crusade in 1147. 
it's possible that Eleanor viewed the Crusades as a means of relieving the monotony of her marriage, whilst contemporary sources state that Louis couldn't bear to leave her behind. Or, on the other hand, it was entirely possible that he just didn't trust her enough to leave her all alone. Eleanor and Louis were lavishly entertained at Constantinople, and they visited shrines and other religious sites. The Byzantine emperor, on the other hand, was anxious to get rid of them. At Nicaea, news arrived of the decimation of the German army of Emperor Conrad, and they proceeded in a rather disorganised fashion to Antioch. En route, the French army was attacked by Turks. And in an attempt to reach Antioch much quicker, Louis decided to cross the Phrygian mountains, and there they were presented with the horrifying remains of the slaughtered German army. With the intent of crossing Mount Cadmus, Louis moved towards the rear of the army, with the pilgrims and all the baggage. Eleanor's Aquitanians, led by Geoffrey de Ronson, took the lead. Now this portion of the army reached Cadmus much more easily, and Ranson, in consultation with Louis's uncle, decided to proceed to a nearby plateau. Meanwhile, the rear of the army straggled along, and provided an easy target for the nearby Turks who held the summit. Trapped, many were killed and much baggage and equipment was lost. Louis himself was very lucky to survive. Eleanor got the blame for the whole debacle. Geoffrey de Ranson was her vassal, and her Aquitanians had escaped completely unscathed. Louis then decided to proceed to Antioch via ship. The rest of the army had to make their own way, and it's believed many starved or converted. Eleanor was rather glad to reach Antioch in March 1148, because her uncle, Raymond of Poitiers, was prince there. It appeared that Eleanor enjoyed the company of her uncle very much. They were not that far apart in age, and had been close when she was but a child. The fact that Eleanor and Louis had become estranged prior to the crusade didn't help matters, when Eleanor informed Louis that not only did she wish to remain, but she wanted her marriage annulled on the grounds of consanguinity. This only fueled the many rumours of incest and adultery. John of Salisbury wrote, The attentions paid by the prince to the queen and his constant, indeed almost continuous conversations with her aroused the king's suspicions. Writing 30 years after the event, William of Tyre said, Her conduct before and after this time showed her to be far from circumspect and he accused her of being unfaithful to Louis with her uncle, Raymond of Poitiers, at Antioch. In addition, she was accused of having bestowed her favours on a Moorish slave. Louis then declared his intentions to journey on to Jerusalem, and Eleanor declared her intentions of remaining at Antioch. Louis was having none of it. The French moved out, and Eleanor was taken by force in the middle of the night. A furious Eleanor arrived in Jerusalem in May 1148, and was welcomed by Queen Melisande and her son, King Baldwin III. She stayed there for a month and most probably attended the large assembly at Acre to discuss plans for the crusade. Damascus was decided to be the target. Since Damascus was the only Arab state hostile to the dangerous Muslim prince Nur ad-Din, the objective was daft. Damascus should instead have been invaluable to the crusaders as an ally. Whatever, the siege lasted five days and the losses were immense and the gains were nil. Louis spent Easter of the following year in Jerusalem touring the shrines of the Holy Land. The crusade had been a failure, and Louis, of course, blamed Eleanor, and she left for home in disgrace. They travelled separately. En route, their ships were attacked by both the Byzantines and Barbary pirates. 
Louis managed to escape, but Eleanor came very close to being captured. She lost one vessel and her baggage to pirates and was only rescued by the Sicilian fleet. She reached land finally to be greeted by King Roger II of Sicily at Potenza. Louis eventually reached Calabria where she joined him after a separation of nearly two months. And it was here that Eleanor learned of the death of her beloved uncle Raymond of Poitiers. Rather than return immediately to France, Eleanor and Louis met with Pope Eugenius III at Tusculum in August 1149, where he'd spent the last five months having been driven out of Rome. The Pope had hopes that his intervention would reunite Eleanor and Louis and give Louis the hope that there may yet still be a male heir from this marriage. Eleanor hoped instead to be granted a divorce, but this wasn't forthcoming. However, another daughter was born the following year. And then it was at Paris in August 1151 that Geoffrey of Anjou and his son arrived to perform homage for Normandy. And at that time Eleanor Metton fell in love with Henry Fitz Empress. There was certainly no opportunity for adultery and the most likely scenario is an agreement then to marry in the future as soon as they could. Henry Plantagenet was 12 years her junior and under the Treaty of Windsor heir presumptive to the throne of England. Faced with the prospect of no male heir and substantial opposition to Eleanor from his barons, Louis's council advised him to take another wife. And so it was decided that this royal marriage was all over. In March 1152, and with papal approval, the marriage was annulled on the convenient grounds of consanguinity, though unofficially the marriage was annulled to end an unbearable marriage that produced no male heir. The only reason there was no divorce earlier was that Eleanor had brought to the French crown vast lands and wealth, which would have returned to her upon divorce. Their daughters remained with Louis in France, and Eleanor's lands were indeed restored to her. So Eleanor went back to Aquitaine with a large escort, though the journey was far from incident-free, as there were a number of abduction attempts along the way. There were plenty of ambitious nobles out there, desperate to get their hands on Eleanor's lands. But Eleanor arrived safely and as soon as she got to Poitiers sent out a summons for Henry to come immediately to marry her. They were married in Bordeaux six weeks after her divorce from Louis. Louis was furious when he heard the news and invaded Normandy but was forced to retreat. Ella wouldn't be crowned Queen of England for another two years. Eleanor gave birth to at least eight children by Henry, the most notable being sons Henry, Richard, Geoffrey and John. She supervised the education of her own children and that of the offspring of Henry's mistresses. She was ambitious for all her children and saw that they made good marriages. Eleanor regarded Richard as her heir in Aquitaine and as such he was made duke. He was her favourite and perhaps the most like her of all her children. Eleanor's relations with Henry began to sour with his ever-increasing infidelities. However, it was thought that Henry's affair with Rosamund Clifford, which began in 1165, marked the turning point, rather than Henry's latest seduction of Richard's fiancée, Alice of France. There was an informal yet amicable separation, and Eleanor returned to rule Aquitaine, escorted by Henry and his army. This relaxed atmosphere came to an end when Henry, in his efforts to control his increasingly large empire, began menacing Eleanor's vassals in an attempt to assert his control over her duchy of Aquitaine. In the meantime, Henry came into the conflict with the church, which would lead to the murder of Thomas Becket, Archbishop of Canterbury. 
France had given Becket sanctuary during his conflict with Henry and advised him not to return to England. Henry's penance was short-lived. Henry was either unable or incapable of giving his sons their independence, which led to their resentment. Eleanor, as did her former husband, King Louis VII of France, encouraged her sons to rebel against their father. Eleanor's part in the conspiracy against Henry was discovered with contemporaries accusing her of leading the revolt. So she was summoned to come and explain herself before Henry. When she refused, she was threatened with excommunication by the Archbishop of Rouen, but Eleanor simply ignored him. Peace was finally concluded between Henry and Louis in September 1173. Eleanor was captured by Henry that same month and confined at Salisbury before being moved to Winchester the following year. Henry openly talked to divorce and the papal legate tried to persuade Eleanor to become an abbess at Fontevraud Abbey. She refused as it would have meant giving control of Aquitaine to Henry. And so Eleanor would spend the remainder of Henry's life as a prisoner a total of 15 years, although there were some occasions when she was given a temporary release. It should be remembered that Eleanor was still confined at Winchester when fair Rosamond Clifford died, and so could not, as is quite wrongly sometimes supposed, have murdered her rival. While still confined, Eleanor would have received the news of the death of King Louis VII of France at Paris in 1180. The deaths of her sons, young King Henry in June 1183, Geoffrey in 1186, and King Henry II at Chinon in June 1189. Her son Richard was now King of England. Eleanor was released from her imprisonment. She went straight to Westminster to receive the oaths of loyalty on behalf of the king and attended Richard's coronation at Westminster Abbey. She relished her role as queen and was not yet prepared to give it up, which suited Richard, who preferred to concentrate on raising funds for his crusade. When Richard departed on crusade, Eleanor was co-regent of England and it was Eleanor who negotiated with Navarre for marriage between Princess Berengaria and Richard. Eleanor conducted the bride-to-be to Sicily, but couldn't follow Richard on crusade, and so returned to England to govern in Richard's absence. Her son John, meanwhile, was behaving rather treacherously, and tried to flee to France when she got back. When Richard was taken prisoner, returning from the crusade in January 1193, Eleanor organised the raising of his huge ransom and saw Richard freed and re-crowned, despite a counteroffer from John and Richard, despite a counteroffer from John and the King Philip of France to keep him imprisoned exactly where he was. Eleanor retired to Fontevraud Abbey in 1194 and lived a secluded religious life. She outlived Richard by five years. On the death of Richard at Chalut in April 1199, Eleanor set about securing the throne for John. The succession was disputed by Arthur, Eleanor remained in Aquitaine raising support for her youngest son. From this point onwards, she took no part in the government of England under her son John, but retired to Aquitaine. She did homage at Tours to the King of France for Aquitaine to make sure that Arthur couldn't claim the duchy. In January 1200, Eleanor travelled slowly to Castile to arrange the marriage of granddaughter Blanche of Castile to the grandson of Louis VII. Blanche was placed in the care of Archbishop of Bordeaux prior to her marriage to the Dauphin in Normandy. Eleanor returned to Fontevraud due to fatigue and illness. Meanwhile, Arthur was still posing problems for John. So Eleanor travelled to Poitiers in May 1202 to give military aid to her son. She was besieged by Arthur at Mirabeau and John hastened to her rescue. Arthur was captured and disappeared, probably murdered. 
Eleanor again retired to Fontevraud. So Eleanor of Aquitaine died on the 1st of April 1204 at Fontevraud Abbey, which she had continuously patronised and supported, and she was subsequently buried there. Okay, so that's it folks. On behalf of Melisande, thanks for listening. Good luck and have a great week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 